0: Wow, see, this has been two weeks since we've been here, I Keep forgetting that we weren't here last week. (coughs) No matter how much we talk about it, I'll forget it. So I think the last time we were here, we went through uh, the Apostle Paul and the road to Damascus, and uh, we had talked about uh, that entire entire account, entire situation, uh, not only of... Uh, what uh, Paul experienced on the road to Damascus, uh, but the Lord leading Ananias to come and see him in Damascus and um, be there with him and witness to him and share with him and the scales being removed from his eyes. Uh, and before we, before we leave that study and that discussion, um, I wanted to share with you some points uh, from uh, Warren Wiersbe's uh, commentary on that entire account, and, and I think it's—I think it's—it's uh, it's just some good emphasis on the various points uh, that Wiersbe thinks that we should be looking at when we read through that account. And so, um, Wiersbe says we should emphasize some practical lessons that all believers ought to learn because to begin with God can use the most obscure saint we had talked in here about about Paul when he was in the midst of doing all of the persecution toward these the uh, the Christians he was a dedicated man and he thought he was a dedicated man of God he believed that what he was doing was the right thing to do and so imagine what a dedicated servant of the Lord he would be when his eyes were opened. And so Wesby says, we should remember that God can use the most obscure saint. He says, were it not for the conversion of Saul, we also, he says, we would never have heard of Ananias. And yet Ananias had an important part to play in the ongoing work of the church. Behind many well-known servants of God are lesser known believers who have influenced them. He says, God keeps the books and will see to it that each servant will get a just reward. The important thing is not the fame, but faithfulness. The experience of Ananias also reminds us that we should never be afraid to obey God's will. Ananias at first argued with the Lord and gave some good reasons why he should not visit Saul, but the Lord had everything under control and Ananias obeyed by faith And when God commands, we must remember that he is working at both ends of the line and that his perfect will is always the best. He says, there's a third encouragement. God works in, are always balanced. God balanced the great public miracle with the quiet meeting in the house of Judas. The bright light and the voice from heaven were dramatic events, but the visit of Ananias was something ordinary. The hand of God pushed Saul from his high horse, but God used the hand of a man to bring Saul what he needed most. God spoke from heaven, but he also spoke through an obedient disciple who gave the message to Saul. The ordinary events were just as much a part of this miracle as were the extraordinary. He says, and finally, we must never underestimate the value one person brought to Christ. Peter was ministering to thousands in Jerusalem and Philip had, been seen, had seen a great harvest among the Samaritan people, but Ananias was sent to only one man. Yet that man, Saul of Tarsus became Paul the Apostle and his life and ministry have influenced people and nations ever since. Even secular historians confess that Paul is one of the significant figures in world history. I love that last point, probably most of all when you realize that it's this one man, this obscure saint if you will that we had have, would have probably never heard of, he was called to do one thing. He was called to go to witness to one man, one particular man that God used in a wonderful, wonderful way and wrote two-thirds uh, or three-fourths of the New Testament. And you think about it sometimes, what difference am I going to make if I talk to this person? What difference, and we say it all the time in here when we talk about the, the, uh, the, the call to witness. But it's, when you, when you think that about how a call to witness is part of God's way of working, it's, it's part of him accomplishing something. And we're, when we're obedient and we follow that call, we don't know what God is doing behind the scenes. And, you know, I heard, heard a, a preacher one time say, and this was actually a discussion on, on Calvinism. Uh, they had asked him about, uh, you know do you, if, you're, if you're a Calvinist and you believe that God's gonna save whoever he's gonna save regardless, then why do you pray for your children at night? And his response was this, and it was interesting, and you may have heard me say this before, But he said that I believe that God absolutely, without question, does light the fire in a person's heart. But he said, I believe that as people in ministry, as Christians, as those who who believe and follow God, it's our job to pile up as much kindling as we can around that heart so that the moment God lights that fire, it takes off. It was an interesting response because Calvinists are not. Throw that whole belief out the window. What a wonderful picture that is to me that our job is, we talk about planting seeds. Well, well, let's, let's talk about pushing kindling up around someone so that the moment that that spark hits, wherever it comes from, that it can catch a blaze and take off. It only takes a spark. Only takes a, a spark to get again. a fire going. There you go. <laughs> <laughs> there you go. you got know to write a song about it. Yeah, I think somebody already, Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. you might be a day late and a dollar short on that one. I wasn't trying to make money. Okay, well. (laughs) But I thought that was a wonderful little, uh, a little thing to add on to the account of what Ananias did. uh, Him being, um, the way he describes him as obscure, and the way we think about God working in a balanced way, and he's working at both ends of the spectrum, and we can't see that other end. We don't know what God's doing. But when we're called to be obedient, um, we need to be obedient. John's like, no matter where you go, there you are. There you go. <laughs> I remember those bumper stickers. I had, I had some reason when you started, when you said wherever you go, I knew you were going to end with there you are. I just, I just had a feeling that was perfect. <laughs>
1: you yeah, know that is pretty. Good. With exception of kind of in the verses here he's pretty much kind of obscure yeah especially compared to Paul right I and mean, look how much Paul is in here but I mean to put it into I guess more of today's terms I know Billy Graham has passed but someone witnessed to him somebody, absolutely you know shared you know the gospel with him and you know I, I think <coughs> we are the body of Christ and whether you're the pinky toe or the pinky finger or whatever it is, you, you can't rule out your importance and your significance to God's church and to God Himself. And as you said, I mean, you could you could be the, the, the witness to the next Billy Graham or, or the next Paul, yeah. you know, or what have you, not even know you know. And, and the talents and gifts that God has given, maybe you or myself, is is little to nothing, maybe compared to the person you're witnessing to, and, and how he's going to use, use him.
0: Yeah. Yeah. To use that, you know, so. Yeah. Without a without a doubt, it's uh, it it, it should cause us to. <coughs> because sometimes, you know, we read passages of scripture, and I think I know I'm guilty of just reading over them, and just going past it and not stopping to consider, why would God give us this story of someone that we had never seen before, never heard of before, and we don't really hear of again. What what was the importance of that? And if nothing else, sitting here this morning and having this discussion about the impact that one witness can have on one person who God can use in a mighty way.
1: Well, and also let's look at his obedience (coughs) obedience and faithfulness. Absolutely. I mean, he, 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 Sincerely, had a good, valid reason to fear his life, fear for his
0: life. Without a doubt.
1: Yeah. I mean, it, it would be in you know being in Nazi Germany, right, and, and inviting Hitler or something. And I, and I, don't, I hate to call Saul, you know, Hitler, but but you know, I'm. Saying, no, but the comparison is legitimate. I mean, it, it's like you know, if you're a Jewish person, you're trying to witness to Hitler, you know, or whatever. I mean, you know, Anias is a Christian. And he's trying to witness to Saul of Tarsus, who is, pers- who is killing Christians, right? Yeah. And he's imprisoning
0: them. Yeah. In- and he went, I mean, he was going to Damascus for what purpose? Right. He had, he had handwritten, you know, uh, he permission. To, yeah, permission. To yeah. To bring them back. And, and that's, that's serious. That is serious. Yeah, you're right. He had, he had, he had every reason to say no. This is a bad idea, Lord. But he knew he was being called. He knew the Lord was telling him to go and do this. And he said, okay, I'll be obedient. And I'll do what you asked me to do. The other question you might ask is why Damascus? Weren't there any Christians between Jerusalem and Damascus that he could have gone at? Yeah, couldn't yeah. Could, could you go after somebody else? That's <laughs> where Yeah. <coughs> that it was all being orchestrated by the Lord for a purpose. Um, And and as we said, the Lord had chosen, you know, the Lord chose Paul. And and it's it's incredible. I talked about his dedication, but you realize what he went through through the course of his ministry. And we're going to read about a lot of that as we continue to go through the book of Acts. But there's so much that he suffered, so many things that he, he and he didn't turn his back on the Lord. He was such a dedicated servant through imprisonment, through through persecution, through, and you know, and and, and God called him to start his ministry in so many different places the same way, <clears throat> right? He went right into the synagogues and started preaching. Whoa, you know, he walked right into the lion's den, if you will, and because he's like, I'm either gonna win them or they're gonna hate me, but I'm not but I'm not going to hide who I am. I'm, I'm going to I'm going to preach the preach Christ.
1: You notice with Paul, he was never what you can refer to as lukewarm, was he? Oh no. no. No matter what he was doing. No. You know what I'm saying? I mean, he, he wasn't. Strapped. He was all in. He was all in. Yeah. yeah. I mean, you couldn't say he was a halfway type person or a politician. I mean, he, if if he was killing Christians, he was all in and imprisoning them and killing them, and he's calling blasphemy, you know, to, to God and and this and that. But then his conversion, you know, to, to Christ, you know, yeah. he was all in in that, right? wasn't he? He wasn't like, you know, lukewarm. He's like, hey, I'm going to go right into the synagogues. I'm going to go right into the, the 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 fire, so it's absolutely in, in the, the hot seat, and I'm going to witness. You know, and-
0: God called the right man for the job. <laughs> yeah. He called the right man for the well, job. But look at his credentials too. <laughs> I, I mean,
1: he he was a Roman citizen, right? Yep. He was a Jew. He was, a, I guess, kind of a Pharisee, right? Or, 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 or I, I, don't I mean, I guess you could say that. Yeah. He, he knew. He knew the law. Yeah, absolutely. He did. Down, you know? um, <laughs> so I think he was have the ability to witness to a,
0: a large, um,
1: be able to to relate. Yeah. Once
0: once they got past his reputation. Yeah. He, and that's right. that's the challenge, right? You have to get past the reputation. And, and you have to not be killed in the process. And uh, uh, in fact, our, our next, well, our next um, group of, of uh, verses here in, in uh, Acts chapter nine starts at verse uh, in the middle of verse nineteen, and we start reading about Saul proclaiming Jesus in the synagogues and uh, and what happened there and how uh, it just it didn't start off all that smooth. Well, let's let's do some of that this morning. Read uh, with me here in verse 19 uh, because we know that, that he took food and he was strengthened. And then it goes on to tell us here that for some days he was with the disciples in Damascus. It says, And immediately he proclaimed Jesus in the synagogues, saying, He is the Son of God. In verse 21 it says, And all who heard him were amazed and said, Is this not the man who made havoc in Jerusalem of those who called upon his name? And has he not come here for this purpose, to bring them bound before the chief priests? But Saul increased all the more in strength and confounded the Jews who lived in Damascus by proving that Jesus (coughs) was the Christ. So, you know, he's, he's come there for a purpose. They know he's come there for a purpose. And all of a sudden, he's not doing it. He's doing the exact opposite. Of what he has come there to do, and he has now become one of those uh people who who he has come to, to persecute. And so we find in verse twenty three it says, When many days have passed, the Jews plotted to kill him. What? Really? When he just doing that? Well, yeah. <laughs> yeah, so so the hunter becomes the hunted. <laughs> right. Right. He's now the prey. Yeah, very, yeah. Right.
2: A lot of zeal, we'll say, because that's even something that um, Jesus talks about. You know, they're using their religious zeal with the intention of killing people. You know, the Pharisees kind of were the same way. You know, it's not the Romans that are trying to, you know, kill Jesus. It's the people that really have the kind of zeal, and they believe that it's a religious cause, or that this is we're doing this for God yes that's
1: kind of a scary thing to think about you know yeah I agree man I'm I'm like thinking you know Paul knew the law right so obviously he knew the ten commandments yeah and he knew that one of the ten commandments was thou shalt not kill yes I mean but then he's probably going to the other ten commandment about you know no, their gods, right? Before you know, what I'm saying. You know, oh yeah, yeah. He can, he has no problem
0: justifying. Right. Us. Yeah.
1: So he's saying that you're being blasphemous, and you're you know or whatever. Yeah. But he's substituting that and saying, okay, this is what's making it justifiable or okay.
0: To but you know what? But in the end, I mean, yes, Paul was Paul is zealous, and yes, Paul is is, is it really believes I think I, or Saul I should say really believes that what he's doing is for God, but he's appalling he really is a pawn. He's being used by those who are in power to try and stay in power. It all comes back to I don't want to give up my power, and Christianity is a threat to all that I enjoy doing. I've got I've got this I've got the seat on the throne, and I am happy. And people do what I tell them to do, and my life is easy. And all of a sudden, people stop listening to you when they start realizing who's really in charge. When you start realizing really who, who you should be paying attention to. And the fact that Jesus Christ is the Savior and when the gospel is witness to you and you start to go through these changes, you don't pay as much attention to those who are, who are, who are doing things that are clearly in opposition to, to what you believe. The Holy Spirit changes people and you start to lose some of that influence you have over them. And that's a threat. It's just, it's just that's it. the priests would lose their jobs. And they knew that. Yes. Like, like Brad said, he knew the law inside and out. He was trying
2: to become a Sanhedrin. And in order to do that, you had to know the law. Even today, there's a chapter in the Bible that the Jewish people will not Read and that's a 53rd <coughs> chapter yeah. of Isaiah, and
0: they'll
2: cut them out. If they just get into their own scriptures. That's what a lot of churches are doing today. They don't get into to the scriptures and read them. No, they don't. Shut up now. they don't.
0: They <laughs> don't. <laughs> no, you're right. They don't. They don't get into the scriptures and read them. Um, there is so much uh, that. Has fallen by the wayside, um, but it shouldn't be a surprise, right? It's uh, we we know what's coming, and um, and it's and it's here. It's it's the it's being fulfilled. Um, I lost my place here. No, uh, no, you're fine. I just uh, I I scrolled up and I missed it. Like Jim was saying, I don't think it's an accident that it's the bridge. I think for some reason, Syria and Damascus have
2: real Old Testament um, things that's supposed to bring to mind. I'm not sure what the significance is exactly, but it seems like that's where Naaman may have been from in the Old Testament, and then Jesus talks about um, you know him healing. Or name being be healed, God have healed someone in Israel instead. So I wonder if
0: that's something. yeah. I, I don't know. And, and the other thing to keep in mind, and I don't know how this even figures in at all, but but for some reason what you said made me think of it, is that when we when we read Paul's account of this same time frame from Galatians, um, we find that at some point in all of this. He actually went away to Arabia and then came back to Damascus. So there's there's, there's something here that that Luke did not include uh, when he was writing about this account here of what Paul did and him preaching and escaping and so on and uh, in, in Galatians, 117, I think yeah, Galatians 117, Paul writes, "Nor did I go up to Jerusalem to those who were apostles before me, but I went away into Arabia and returned again to Damascus." <coughs> and, and what was the purpose of that? What did, and then some, some uh, uh, thought there is that when he went away to Arabia, he was actually being trained, that he was actually being trained to, to come back and be the witness that he needed to be in Damascus. And, and so they were, they were working with him that there were, there were apostles working with him. I, I don't know the answer to that. Um, but yeah, I mean, we can, we can talk an awful lot about, about the significance of the area, the significance of, uh, of, of Damascus in general. Um, and, and you think about what was it that um, that Paul was going to be called to do? If he was going to be the one to witness to the Gentiles. Um, is does that have significance about Damascus? So, so isn't
2: Nineveh kind of
0: close to Damascus? Oh, that's a good question. I don't know the answer to
2: that. And you have Jonah being called to
0: to there to to yeah. to the Gentiles, you could say. Yeah. Um, and then isn't that like the whole
2: Assyrian, the old Assyrian Empire that eventually conquers?
0: yeah yeah i yeah there's there's probably a lot of a lot of things we could talk about in there and i don't know that we would ever come up with the answer but but it's cool to, it's cool to, to think about it um i say wow I, i've talked so much today that time's got away from us uh, no more ann stories i'll stop doing that so, she took up all the time this morning it's our fault uh, let's see should we let's try and finish some of this out here um, Away, the Jews, the Jews plotted to kill him. Verse twenty-three says, "But their plot became known to Saul. They were watching the gates day and night in order to kill him. But his disciples took him by night and led him down to an opening in the wall, lowering him in a basket. So he had gained enough followers to help him escape and get away from the fate that would would have." Uh, that he would have met had he stayed potentially in damascus uh, because now the jews have decided that uh we we need to we need to get rid of this guy he's a threat now he's a big threat nothing worse than someone who is converted uh, to become a, a threat so i think we'll have to leave it there this morning and pick up with Saul in jerusalem uh next week and uh, I'll, I'll, I'll do a little bit more reading on Damascus and see if I can uncover anything from anywhere else uh, that might make some, some sense of anything. Um, it's interesting to think about. Any closing comments before we uh, end this morning? All right. Well, thank you all for being here. Pray with me heavenly father thank you for your word lord thank you for the preservation of it and uh, father we're just grateful once again that you've allowed us this morning to, uh, to to just to study your word to to ponder it to discuss it lord uh, lord we thank you for the fact that your word uh, will not return void and uh, Lord, just be with us as we depart from this room this morning and enter into the sanctuary and father help to clear our hearts and our minds of all the distractions and lord just help us to focus upon the message that you have laid upon LD's not this morning. And Lord, just uh, may it may it strengthen our relationship with you. <clears throat> and may it work in the hearts of those who need to make a decision. And Lord, we just hope and pray that those decisions will be made. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen.